You're listening to the Farmyard Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Farmyard. It's a movement, have you heard? And our Patreon supporters. Hi, everyone. This is Farmyard co-founder Chris, and we have a special announcement. This is week three of Grow It, Don't Mow It, 30 days to starting a successful yard farm. This week is all about seeds. Every day in April 2018, we've been posting new content, and every post is on Patreon. Special videos, downloadable packets, and more audio content is waiting for you there. So don't forget to visit patreon.com forward slash farmyard, all one word, to get the goodies. And now, back to business as usual. Episode 42, CD Insights, with host Linda Borgie. Well, hello there. This is Linda Borgie from Farmyard. You are just one seed away. And this is week three of our Grow It, Don't Mow It campaign. And this is all about that one seed away. It's all about seeds. Seeds are my favorite topic other than soil. Seeds I find so, I am just in awe of the seed. Seed, I really am. If, uh, you know, some seeds are smaller than others, naturally. Most of you know that. Like a pea seed is really, really large, right? These round balls. And then a basil seed is teener wiener. Still a ball, but teener, teener wiener. And you wonder from those tiny, tiny little dots in, in the crux of your hand, you know what's going to emerge. You know what intelligence is coming from that, from that seed with the right conditions, right? But I, I wonder how. I'm in awe of it. So I am always loving to, to speak about seed. I've done campaigns for seeds, the World Seed Fund. I would raise money in my younger day and, uh, uh, for the World Seed Fund. And that was a fund of Abundant Life Seed Foundation that was in Port Townsend in the state of Washington. And, uh, Tessa Gowans was the executive director at the time for many, many, many years. And that fund was where, um, people who were in need of seed, who did not have the money to buy the seed to grow the food would request seed. And based on the amount of money that we were able to buy seed with, you know, uh, we would send that seed all over the world. And it was such an honor for me to participate with a group like that. I did many a project. I did one project, Seeds. I, I mean, this this episode is all about seeds, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of backstory. I did one project when I was selling cut flour, cut flowers for a living. I was working for a cut flower importer in Creskill, New Jersey. And my target was always mass market, right? And they had a bouquet operation. So my focus was to sell bouquets to stupid markets, right? So with this one stupid market, I was able to have a campaign that for every bouquet that was sold, a dollar went to the World Seed Fund. 
It was so fabulous, so exciting, because all those people that bought those bouquets were able to find out that there was a fund that they could donate to. I mean, maybe they didn't even realize that there were people who didn't have the money to buy the seed to grow the food, because, you know, sometimes we get out of that reality, you know. Food and water, everyone, every day. Now back to the seeds. Okay, so let's talk about seeds. Seeds, I love them. I love them. I I hope that everyone listening will pay attention when it comes to certain uh, criteria. For me, a seed has to be organically grown if I'm going to eat it. If it's a flower, then I'm not going to mind if it's a hybrid that was not organically grown because I'm not going to eat that flower. I'm not going to use any pesticides, fertilizers, or, or the, uh, you know, chemicals, the such and such to grow it. But I'm not going to eat it. But if I'm going to eat it, the seed must be organic. And for me, I prefer if the seed is grown bio dynamically. Yep. Because that's how I grow biodynamically. So there are, there are still <laughs> some sources of these seeds left. And when I say some sources, I'm going to take you back 30 years ago when I first started. Oh God, it's even longer than that. 35, 45, oh, almost 40 years ago when I first started growing, when I first fell in love with that <laughs> natural process of putting the seed in the ground and then something comes out. It's just, I'm still, to this day, takes my breath away. So that was almost 40 years ago. I have to tell you, the number of seed catalogs for organic seeds was, had to be like, oh my God, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't get them all. That's how many there were. And they were huge books. I mean, really thick with page after page after page after page of varieties. <sighs> and unfortunately, 92% of those today are gone because people stopped growing them. We just stopped growing. We just don't know how to grow. So we stopped growing. So we lost quite a few varieties heirloom varieties. Those are varieties that have been grown for a minimum of 50 years. Diversity, you know. How were they grown? It's just like me. I'll tell you what I do. I will, let's say, uh, let's say a tomato. Let's say tomato plants. I say I have 10 tomato plants. And there's one tomato that I look at it and I say, my God, now that that, my friend, is a tomato. Well, I will resist picking that tomato for my consumption. I will wait and allow it to go to the time when it's best to harvest the seed, right? So that the seed from that tomato is now going to give me, you know, what? two, three hundred tomato plants in that one tomato. I mean, I haven't counted them. Honest to God, I haven't. But there's an awful lot of tomato seeds in a tomato plant, an awful lot of them. So um, then 
Now, next year, I would grow from that strong stock. So that's how you can increase, make your, make your vet fruits and vegetables like yummier and yummier and better for you year to year, right? Is to choose wisely. Resist it. If it's the most beautiful zinnia on the planet, don't pick it and put it in a vase. Wait for it to dry out. Hold on to her seeds. Now you'll have hundreds of her. Right. So that's a way uh, to work with seeds. Now, how do we choose seeds? What's the way that we, how do we go about choosing seeds? Well, number one, um, everywhere in the continental United States, we're in zones. We're broken up by growing zones. And all you have to do is Google what zone am I in? And it will tell you what zone you are in. And that is all pretty much based on when and if you get frost. Okay. Pretty much everywhere in the country, you have what's called an extension agency, an agricultural extension agent. And that goes hand in hand. with the land-grant universities. And they can give you an awful lot of statistical information on your region, like what type of soil, what is the rain, what is the, you know, the basic kind of composition of the soil in your region? Is it sand? Is it clay? You know, these are all things that you can get very, very easily at your fingertips. And this is information you're going to need to decide and determine what grows where. Like, as an example, my life experience, I am a Jersey girl and I am back in Jersey now. So I know Jersey and New York. I know this climate. I know this climate like the back of my hand. But When I was down in Beaufort, South Carolina, that was a world of difference to me. Completely different growing seasons. Completely different. So I look to those type of tools. Seed uh, companies. My, uh, My favorite, I love Johnny's Seed for their tools. I mean, they have a seed calculator that will tell you how many seeds you need based on what size that you're growing. Mm-hmm. Mostly all catalogs will give you what zone it's good for. So you really have to know what zone first, right? So now you have your zone and you know uh, what you're what you're looking at. So I'll give you an example of New Jersey, right? Right now, it is the end of March. I'm I'm, uh, broadcasting this the end of March, recording this, actually, the end of March. And if it wasn't so terribly cold night after night, which is a bit unusual for this time of year, it should not be down in the 20s. But then again, what's usual, right? But I would start if I didn't do it already in the fall, I would start to plant my greens. I actually, um, I actually put in a row of kale because I was able to work the soil a little bit in between these 
frost and thaw, frost and thaw situations that we've been having, I was able to plant a row of kale before the last snowstorm. So that'll be the first crop up. What I used to do when I was an urban farmer is in the fall, I would plant all my spring crops just before that ground would freeze. I would get all my beds ready, get everything to do, everything ready. And it's tricky because if it gets warm, then it's going to start to germinate. You don't want it to do that. Uh, so you really have to time it correctly, right? Um, and then, you know, the snow would come, it would freeze. And then in the spring, you really didn't have to do anything. Your crop was already planted. It was in the ground. And you just had to pretty much harvest it because in the spring in the Northeast, not too much irrigation is needed, generally speaking. So now you have your zone. Now you want it, and you know a little bit about your region, right? Now you have to take a look at your at your property, your location. What about the sun? Where is the sun? How does the sun go across your property? What is in the way of the sun? Look at the shadows. Look at the shadows of buildings when the sun is shining, right? And if you have trees, and if they don't have their leaves on it yet, take a look at the shadows of the branches as to where the shadow will fall on your property. Then you, then you, because you're going to need that information to decide whether it's a shade garden a semi-shade garden or a full sun garden. I mean, there's, there's little buddies that grow in all three, all three of them. So no worries really. Uh, but you need to have that information because as an example, I'll give you an example. I was named the lettuce lady by Alan Greer, Walker Valley, New York. He named me the Lettuce Laney because I loved growing lettuce. I loved everything. Still to this day, I love everything. Everything about growing greens, anything green. So he called me the Lettuce Lady. Now, lettuce is a good percentage. More than three quarters of that little leaf is water. Yeah. That's what it is. So if I took that lettuce plant, right, and put that in the full sunshine in July, it's going to burn up. It really is. It doesn't have a lot of oomph to it, you know. Unlike the tomato plants, the nightshades, the tomatoes, uh, and, and all of the hot plants, the pepper plants and the eggplants, they're from southern regions. So they like it hot, hot, hot. <laughs> Actually, for the tomato plant, the soil itself needs to be 85 degrees for the seed to actually germinate, you know? So um, it's different than the pea, the pea seed that likes it really, really chilly, or Brussels sprouts. The more time it hit, the frost hits it. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to harvest until it hits it like three times. An old farmer had told me, uh, that's when it's the sweetest, the Brussels sprouts. So every plant is different and wants to be placed in a certain location. Just like when you're 
you know, you moved into your apartment or your house or whatever, you know, you had to, you had to figure out what felt good where, what wanted to be where. Well, plants are the same way. What, what plant wants to be where? And it's not for decoration. It is for its survival. And remember, we want you, we want, we would love to teach you how to grow food that is really rich in nutrients. So the way to grow food or help food to grow actually, that's really rich in nutrients is to give that plant everything that it needs. So it's like your infant, you know, you want to know everything about it. And then you'll have the tools to go out there and to, um, and to grow and to help it to grow. Now, what plants are easier than others to grow? Lettuce is so easy, my friends. Lettuce entertain you. I mean, it is. I would always, always, always suggest, right, Alan Greer? <laughs> Shout out to Alan. I would always, always, always suggest that you start with lettuce. Because it's uh, something that we need to consume to be really healthy and vibrant, honest to goodness gracious. And it's a quick, quick grower. You could have it really young at 30 days or, you know, grown out 45, some 60 days, all different varieties, you know. And then a lot of the uh, leaf lettuce, you can cut it and it'll come again not as strong the second time as the first time, but it still will do that. So you get immediate gratification and you could grow it in trays. Lettuce, lettuce is easy. Now in the Northeast, if you're in the Northeast, even if in the Southeast uh, still, pea shoots, I mean, pea shoots are so darn yummy. <laughs> Yummy in my tummy. And you can get those seeds. We're going to give you a packet of inf information on Thursday. So we'll give you that information on where to get those pea shoot seeds. Um, and also some tutorials on how to grow those pea shoots. How does that sound? We're going to put that all together in a package for you. Uh, but peas are really easy and peas are 10 days. Put your fingers up there. 10, uh-huh. 10 days from seed to belly in my tummy. Yummy, yummy, yummy. And if you like peas, pea greens, you harvest them when they're about three inches, two to three inches tall. They taste just like a mouthful of peas. No trellising, no, uh, no nothing, just cutting, chopping and eating. They are absolutely stunningly delicious and very nutritious. Just Google pea shoots. Yepperoni. And like I said, you can grow them in your garden, in trays, on a windowsill. It's really simple in containers. It, like solo cups, those little bathroom cups, the waxed ones. If you pop like five, not like, if you pop five holes with an upholstery needle in the bottom of those solo cups, cups, upholstery needle because it's thicker, um, 
You could even grow them in there. Uh, and the cups are reusable, and I found the cups to be reusable three times, and then you really have to put them to, put them to sleep. Well, so there you go. Seed, seed, seeds. We will have a list of seed uh, catalogs for you and things of that nature. And I am so excited for each and every one of you to start down the path of growing your own food. It is going to benefit you so much in so many ways goes way beyond physical. Trust me with that one. Well, once again, I thank you so much for listening. <laughs> we could not do this without our Patreon supporters. You guys are just great. You are just great. Superb human being supporting such a grandiose movement, movement as to encourage 40 million acres of turf grass to grow food now. As always, we will catch you on the flip side. And until then, go for that yard. This podcast is community supported we thank everyone for tuning in, and a special thank you goes out to all our Patreon supporters. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe and share. You can help support us through Farmyard, all one word, on patreon.com.